worship. You may be seated. Bibles this morning, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 21, and we are continuing into our second week of this series called Emotions, taking a lot of material from uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle at Life Church as we are finding faith in our feelings. So turn to Matthew 21 or look at the YouVersion Bible app if you've got that. We're going to get to the scripture in just a minute, but I want to ask you a question to start this morning. Do you know anybody who's angry? Anybody know anybody who's angry right now? Well, if, if you don't, that's probably a good thing. It probably means you're not on social media and you're not listening to the news, right? Because it seems like everywhere we look that uh, people are angry. It, it, do any of you think that maybe this is the angriest time that you've ever seen in your life? I, I kind of feel that way. Uh, what about you? Is anybody here dealing with any feelings of anger this morning? If you're not this morning, maybe after a great time of worship like that, maybe I can remind you of some places and some people that might make you feel angry. What about this? Anybody like this guy in traffic? Anybody angry like him? Now, I'm going to tell you about this guy, okay? You can't tell it, but he's a Christian. You know why? Because he's got his whole hand up. Some of y'all get that later, okay? Anybody angry in this place? Angry at work? Anybody need to go see HR, you know, like it says there in the corner? Anybody have this in your marriage ever? I, I know we're all good, godly, Christian, Jesus-loving people, and you've never had that happen in your marriage, right? You know, some of you are shaking your heads, been there, done that. What about with your kids, where you're angry at your kids, or your kids are angry at you, or you're angry at the teacher online or all the different things that that we face now here's the angriest place of them all right now right American politics right anybody else want to move to another planet you know and kind of get away from, from politics just a very angry place some of you you know your spouse knows that uh, you're going to deal with some anger so they help you get ready for it kind of like in this this throwback to a movie that you might remember you know, any, anybody pack their spouse's angry eyes just in case they might need them. Uh, sometimes I think the guys in the sound booth feel like this because I'm asking them to do so many different things back there. You know, and sometimes I look at Jack and he, he may feel like that. Um, but there's a, there's a new term, like a new word for being angry. I don't know if you've heard of it. But um, it looks like this and it's called being hangry. Anybody know what being hangry is? Okay, The definition's up there on the screen. A state of anger caused by a lack of food. Hunger causing a negative change or emotional state. Anybody here ever get hangry? And you just look at your spouse or, or maybe you do and you say, I just need something to eat. If I can just get something to eat, it's going to take the edge off. Okay, so let's go back to that question. Okay, anybody here dealing with any feelings or emotions of anger? Well, what do we do? What do we do when we feel angry? Obviously, you know where we're parking today. We're going to talk about anger. And, and what about Jesus? Did Jesus ever get angry? 
we're using this series to kind of unpack the emotions of Jesus. And when I think about Jesus, we think about his love. Last week we talked about the emotion of compassion that Jesus showed. So if you missed that, go back and watch that. We know that he had grace and mercy. But did Jesus ever get angry? And the answer is yes. But when he did, watch this, Jesus got angry in a way that honored God. That's a big takeaway today. It's not even point number one, but it's something for us to think about as we begin this message today. That when Jesus did get angry, he got angry in a way that honored God. So this morning, we're going to talk about angry like Jesus. Lord, as we unpack your word today, I pray that you would give us just fresh insight into your actions, Jesus, and how we can become like you, how we can face the, the struggles of life and the things that come along and face them in the way, Lord, that would bring honor to your Father and bring honor to your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let me go ahead and say this this morning. This message is pretty risky, what I'm going to share with you this morning. As a matter of fact, I told Tracy yesterday, I said, tomorrow may be the last message I ever preach at Ringing Church of God. Because they may have a meeting that afternoon and say, we're going to find another pastor because, because uh, that was just a little bit too much. It's risky because you're going to have a tendency this morning to listen to this message through your filter. You're going to have a tendency to think that it's for somebody else and it's not for you. Speaking of filters, and if I can be really politically incorrect this morning, you're going to think about this message through your political filter. Because today everything's politicized, right? Sports are politicized. School, whether we go or we don't go. Church, whether it's open or not. Mask, whether they're on or not. Everything around us right now is politicized. But I want to speak to you today about a very relevant subject of anger and how we handle it in a way from a spiritual, godly perspective. So before we get started, all right, everybody smile, okay? There are reasons still to smile, amen? we still got a lot to be grateful for, a lot to be thankful for, amen? So a lot of people, when you start thinking about anger and the Word of God, we ask the question, uh, can we be angry and not sin? What does the Bible say about it? Is God angry with me? When I get angry. What is not a sin to be angry, but anger can quickly lead to unproductive and destructive sin. And the emotion of anger is not a sin unless it leads you to do something that's wrong. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says it very, very plainly. In your anger, do not sin. So he comes to the table and he says, in your anger, there's going to be anger. You're going to be angry at some point. He doesn't say, okay, you're, you're never going to deal with this. But when you are angry, in your anger, do not what? Sin. And then he says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. What he's saying there is, don't harbor bitterness in your soul. Don't keep something inside that can that can." Not just one sundown, but multiple sundowns that you can hang on inside. And then he says, do not give the devil a foothold. That word foothold in the Greek refers to a place or room, like where maybe you kind of you keep the door cracked. And sometimes anger enters our relationships, our marriages, our friendships, because we leave the door cracked and we leave a place where 
anger can come in to our lives. Somebody might say, you know, I don't get angry. You know, I, don't, I, I'm, I never experienced this level of anger. Or I certainly never experienced this level of anger. You know, this guy from, uh, from inside out. Because a lot of times when we think about angry, that's what we think about. Now, some of you are saying, yeah, I live with somebody. And they do get that angry. And they get that red. And their hair gets that flying up in the air. And, and, and they get that loud. But anger isn't just at a 10 like we see in that, that character. Anger really, the emotion of anger, is an umbrella that a lot of other emotions fall under. Watch this. Anger can be that you're annoyed, that you're agitated, that you're fed up. Anybody fed up yet? Irritated, resentful, disgusted, outraged. Have I got you yet? I'm coming for you if not. Raging, furious, livid. And then the last one is, is bitter. And maybe that's the nastiest one of them all because I think they're kind of in an order there where they build up to the point to where anger harbored in your heart, giving the devil a place, leads to bitterness. Again, Paul says, in your anger do not sin. I like what James says in James 1.19. Three very simple phrases. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. You want to heal your marriage? You want to heal your relationships? You want to heal broken things in your life when it comes to other people? Do those three things. Start today. It's a game changer. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Good advice? Good advice? Amen. I've not made you mad yet. I've still got more. So you're not mad at me quite yet. You will be by point number two, okay? But let, let's, let's talk about Jesus being angry, okay? Let's see, let's see what Jesus said, you know, and what happened with him. So in, in Matthew chapter 21, let's, let's look at the context. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He is coming to celebrate the Passover with thousands of other people in the Roman Empire in that time. Almost all Jews would come to Jerusalem to, uh, to make sacrifices and, and offer unto God uh, their sacrifices. And at the temple, the first century historian Josephus said that ordinarily in Jerusalem there would be about 40,000 people. But during Passover it was more like 250,000, a quarter of a million people in the city. And this is the atmosphere that Jesus enters the city with. He also enters the city knowing what the week ahead is going to be. Because the story that we're going to read right now in a second in Matthew 21 happened the last week of the life of Jesus. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. So the 100% God side of him knew that in just a few days he would be going to the cross. Theologians believe that the story we're going to look at took place on Monday and Jesus was crucified on Friday. So if Jesus knew what was coming, I think we can understand if he's a little bit uptight. So Jesus enters the temple, and what he saw broke his heart. He saw hypocrisy, greed, abuse, and misuse of his father's house. And Jesus does something that is out of the ordinary for Jesus. 
he gets righteously angry and he turns over some tables and some benches. Matthew 21 verse 12 says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And then in verse 14, this verse that's really kind of out of context and doesn't even make sense that it's there, says, The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. So Jesus turns over some tables, he turns over some benches, and you know, it's almost a little dangerous for me to even mention that part of the story today because some of you have already turned over too many tables. You've turned over too many benches. And you don't need to say, oh, I'm going to just be like Jesus and I'm going to turn over some tables and I'm going to turn over some benches. But I want you to see this today and wrap your brain around this. Jesus was not characterized by his anger. People didn't look at him and say, that, that's kind of who he is. He's angry. This story is not the fourth time that, that Matthew says, well, this is the fourth time this week Jesus lost his cool and just blew his top. Jesus was not characterized by his anger, but was known for his love, not his anger. When you think Jesus and you think he was righteously anger, you understand that more than that, he loved the outcast and the lepers and forgave sinners. So our goal when we're angry is not to be angry in a way that discredits our witness or hurts relationships or dishonors God. But be angry, but as Paul said, in your anger, do not sin. Jesus was angry in a way that honored God. So let's look at three things this morning that we can learn from Jesus. How can we be angry in a way that honors God? Well, number one, Jesus, when he got angry... He was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. That's the first thing we see in this story. Okay, So let me ask you a question, and I want you to answer this question out loud. Do you think Jesus was ever betrayed? Yes. Was Jesus ever criticized? Was he ever unjustly persecuted? Did he have any haters? Yes. Jesus had those people, but he never got angry when someone disagreed with his views. He didn't, in a modern sense, just get on social media and just, ah, you know, just frustrated and just, just firing back because he was angry. Jesus got angry in this story because other people were being hurt and abused and misused. So it might be important for us today to do what we'll call an anger audit. Do an anger audit of our hearts and take a look at our hearts this morning and say, you know, what makes me angry and irritated and frustrated and livid? Is there a grudge that I have against someone? Is, am I easily irritated? Am I extra critical of a group of people on the inside, but nobody really knows about it? Am I hateful when I should be loving? What would an anger audit of your heart look like today? When someone lies about you, or gossips about you, or talks about you, or mistreats you. 
it is, let's be honest, our natural response to get angry, right? We're still flesh and blood, right? It's still a natural response to be angry. But listen to me this morning. You and I, as Christ followers, we are not bound to a natural response. I want to say that again. As Christ followers, you and I are not bound to a natural response. Through the Holy Spirit, we can respond supernaturally. The Holy Spirit living inside of us gives us the ability not to react in the natural way how I normally would to those things, but Jesus on the inside should get out on the outside, right? And not just in church, and not just when everything's going well, but when things are difficult and hard, and I'm frustrated, and I just can't take it anymore. See, as Christ followers, when we're wronged, we shouldn't seek revenge, not to hate, but to bless and forgive other people. Where are you getting this from, Pastor? Well, I'm getting it from Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, now you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, which means, I'm, I'm going to tell you something completely different. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How do we do that? We forgive people when they wrong us. We forgive people when we feel justified. Well, they hurt me. They talked about me. They stabbed me in the back. I am justified to harbor resentment in our hearts. Well, if we're going to do what Jesus said, we must forgive just as Christ forgave us. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Anybody here ever hurt the heart of God? Anybody here disobeyed God's laws, rules? Anybody here been forgiven of much? Paul says, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate and forgive each other. And I think one of the things I love most about Jesus is that he doesn't just tell us the things that we should do. He does it. On the cross, Luke tells us in Luke chapter 23 that Jesus practiced what he preached. And on the cross, being crucified by his enemies, he looked at those, the religious leaders, and the people who should have recognized him as the Messiah. The ones who had pushed back on him with everything that they had for three years. And he looked at those who had hurt him the most and literally had had him murdered and said, May his blood be on us and our children. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. If Jesus can forgive like that, then we can forgive like that. I've not been put on a cross. Nobody's tried to murder me physically. But oftentimes we go through things and people try to murder us with their words, right? Murder us with what they say. But I want to remind you today of the words of Jesus. It, it, this isn't easy. But if Jesus did it, we can too. Amen?
So if I find myself angry for weeks or months at a time, and if I'm harboring any resentment for something somebody did to me or didn't do to me, or said to me or didn't say to me, as a follower of Christ, I want to encourage you to ask God for healing in your life. See, what we like to do, we like to hold on to some things, and it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like a pet. We like to hold it, we like to, to care for it, we like to feed it. Anybody ever fed their anger by just keep thinking about it? And we like to pet it and just hang on to it and hold it close. Do you know there's a freedom that happens when you forgive and you let go? See, the only person you can control is the person you see in the mirror every day. And sometimes we hang on to things that we hang on for weeks, months, years at a time. And all it does is slowly poison us. And that other person is going on, they don't even realize it. Or maybe they do and they don't care. But as a Christ follower, hear the words of the Holy Spirit today to say to you, ask God for healing in your life. So why was Jesus mad in the first place? What was going on? So Jesus comes up and the story is pretty simple. All the people who were coming to town to give sacrifices in the temple. They couldn't bring their own. They had to buy them there at the temple. And the people who had the opportunity to sell at the temple, they had everything that was there marked up. Jesus specifically in, in that verse talks about doves. And they were being sold for a high price. It's kind of like if you go to a baseball game. Anybody remember sporting events and concerts? Hey, y'all are still smiling. There you go. You know, you can walk up to a Braves game, and you can buy a 20-ounce bottle of water on the street for $2. You go inside the stadium, it's going to cost you $8 for that 20 ounces. Kind of like, sounds like going to the movies, right? I know how y'all are. Y'all buy that $1 pack of, pack of milk duds at Walmart, put it in your pocket, and walk in with it. I do that too, Lord, I confess. <laughs> I'm just being a good steward, y'all. <laughs> but that's what was going on in the temple. High, high, everything's marked up big time. One, one person said this. They said that doves outside of the temple could have cost four pence. But inside the temple, 75 pence. It was crazy how the markup and, and what the money changers had raised the price to. And so why was Jesus upset? Because he walked in and he saw the prices of everything. People are coming to try to worship. They're coming to fulfill the religious duties of sacrifice. And they can't even afford what's there. And, and, and some theologians believe that the poor and the lame and the sick were not even allowed to come up to the temple to buy anything. And we'll get to them in a second. But that's why Jesus, he was upset, not because of what everybody had done to him, but he was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. Number one, Jesus got angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. Number two, when Jesus got angry, he flipped tables. He didn't flip people. Jesus flipped tables. He didn't flip people. He didn't flip anybody off. He didn't punch the wall. He didn't cuss anybody out. He didn't get on Jerusalem Facebook and da 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 da, -da and just go at everybody. Why a table? Why flip a table? Because the table represented the system that supported the hypocrisy 
and the mistreatment. It was on that table that the misdealings were consistently hurting those who didn't have the resources to go into the temple. He turned tables, he flipped the tables, and he was disrupting the system that perpetuated the injustice. He flipped tables, he didn't flip people. As Christ followers, we must be led by the Spirit. And, 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 and the truth is, many times when we feel strongly about something, here, here we go, this is where we're going to get mad. When we feel strongly about something, it's, easily, it's easy to translate our perspective to a righteous posture. Because this makes me angry, I must be righteously angry. But just because we feel strongly about something doesn't necessarily mean we are right. And it doesn't mean that we should look for tables to flip. See, righteous anger can stand on two sides of the fence. And we've seen that this year. Some people righteously are angry and say, you should have never opened church during a pandemic. You're putting people's lives in danger. You're reckless by having church. And there's other people who say, you should have never closed the doors for eight weeks, 12 weeks, two months, three months. You're giving in to the liberal agenda. You should never require people to, to lather up their hands. and You should have faith. You shouldn't have masks. Both sides feel righteously right. But so many people in their effort to be right have forgot to be loving. Did you hear that? So many people in their effort to be right have forgot to be loving. Remember what Paul said? He said, these three remain, faith, hope, and being right. And the greatest of these is being right. No, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. We need to make sure that we don't allow our righteous anger to justify any unloving Behavior. Our goal as Christians is not to be right. Our goal is to be loving. In Colossians, Paul says this. He says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. That word lurking, by definition, is to lie in wait, in concealment. Like a person who's going to ambush somebody else. Uh, for something to lurk, it means it exists unperceived or unperspective and unexpected. So Paul says that there is an, an old you and me, even though we're believers, that lurks inside of us. Is this, is this real? Anybody deal with something that's still lurking there? Okay. He says, have nothing to do with that. And then he lists how it how that lurking old man that lives inside will show up. He'll show up, he says, through sexual immorality, through impurity, through lust, through evil desires, through greed. He said, don't, don't be a greedy person because a greedy person is an idolater. And look what he says in verse 8. He says, now is the time to get rid, and he runs the list, anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And you've put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. It's like Paul is saying, okay, 
And we talked about this when we did uh, Fierce 40 and we unpacked the book of Romans. That the word of God tells us that as believers when we accept Christ we are justified. We are saved. Jesus, God sees us through the blood of Jesus. When we ask for forgiveness and we are free and we're saved and we're in Him. Amen? But there is still an old sin nature that hangs around. See, that's justification. God sees me and I'm justified through Him. But there's another process that will go on for all of us for our entire life. And it also ends in justification, it ends in ation, and it is sanctification. Anybody still being sanctified? Okay, just a few of you. The rest of you, I want to tell you, you are being sanctified. Because none of us have arrived yet. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how much scripture you know. We're all in the process of being sanctified. And that's why when you read that verse and those things pop out, you're like, yep. Anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander. And he says it's like this. It lurks around. It hangs around. It'll show up. I mean, you think anybody here ever thought, I have that defeated. And that hasn't shown up in a while. And about the time you think you've got something whipped, it shows up. Anybody? You know why? Because Paul said, he said it lurks around, kind of hides out behind everything. And it kind of watches. And about the time you think you're confident, it pops out and grabs hold of you. And Paul says, remember, okay, it's kind of like putting a coat on and putting a coat off, okay. Sometimes you've got to remember you've got to put on that new life. Okay? you got to put on those new ways and don't allow anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Do we want to go there today? Christians, as believers, part of the sanctification process, and some of you, you're in that process, that your language is changing and it needs to change. You want another one? Y'all mad yet? Get mad with James in James chapter 3. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. He says, how can I come to the house of God in the presence of God or even in private worship and praise God with the same mouth? That I use to curse my neighbor, my co-worker, my spouse, the liberals, the republicans, the president, the speaker. Have I got you yet? Alright? Everybody still okay? Do we need to smile again? He says this should not be. Jesus flipped tables. He didn't flip people. So how as followers of Christ can we be righteously angry? Here's the thing. We're not going to take things personally. We're going to remember that sinful people do sinful things. That is so huge for us as Christians to remember. Because I see people fighting battles, and especially during this political season, on social media against sinful people who have no conviction that what they're saying and thinking is wrong. And sometimes we try to be the Holy Spirit and He's the only one who can be the Holy Spirit. So here's here's what I want to say to you. 
I want to say for all of us, and especially in a season like this, when there's so much to be angry and frustrated about, okay, we would have been here anyway without COVID, but COVID just took it over the top to where we all kind of feel like that little guy, the cartoon with the red face. But we were heading into civil war anyway, and we, we kind of knew that was coming, you know, through this year. But I've said this to you before. Don't get down in the mud with the pigs. Don't get down in the dirt with all the other garbage that's going on. We've caught, been called to take the high road. Jesus took the high road. We need to be real careful. And I want to tell you, I have a problem as a shepherd. When I see people in my flock and outside of my flock. Who post or talk or say things and they proceed it with. Well, pardon the bad language, but what are the last four words on that screen, guys? This should not be. Even if we think we're righteously anger, angry, Jesus never got in the mud. He didn't use bad language. He did not dishonor the Father when he was angry. He did in a way that honored the Father. And Holy Spirit, convict me. Holy Spirit, convict us when we're fighting a battle that we're fighting it the wrong way. We spent the summer talking about this. This is a spiritual battle. And we get in the flesh and try to fight it in physical ways that cannot be won. Can I say again, sinful people do sinful things. And I, Let me just talk honest with you this morning. I, there's some... There's some people that I love and care about. Students who used to be in my youth group here. Far away from the Lord. And I see things that they post on social media. It breaks my heart. And it makes me mad. And I can tell. I guess I describe it like this. It's like they're poking the bear. You know what I mean by that? They're poking the bear. Trying to get a response. And I've seen several things. There's a couple people, a few people in particular that I've noticed the last few weeks. And I know they got believing Christian family and friends. And I think they're poking the bear trying to get a response. And I look at that and I think, man, the flesh of me wants to jump in, Jim, and just da 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 and go back at them. But thank God I don't live by the flesh. I don't always get it right. I've had to go on Facebook and apologize but we don't live by the natural. We live in the supernatural, y'all. And the Holy Spirit inside of us is strong enough and big enough to give us the power to practice the last and probably most important fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. And we need, to, we need to exercise that self-control and look at those situations out there and again understand and realize sinful people do sinful things. People act the way they do because they're away from God and the Holy Spirit is not in their ear like he's in your ear and in my ear. Why do people act crazy and why do we see what's going on? Because they're far away from God. It's simple. And us screaming and yelling and posting and cursing and throwing back at them and calling names and, and calling them stupid bunch of people and all those things. Guys, come on. We're better than that. The standard is higher than that. Jesus gave us a better example than that. 
So, what did Jesus do when he got angry? When he was angry, he was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. Number two, he flipped tables. He didn't flip people. And number three, he loved and healed those who were hurting. So, y'all get this picture. And Kevin, if you want to come and play, I'm going to try to finish up here. Jesus has just flipped tables and benches. John, when John tells a story, and I really hesitate to tell you this part of it, says that Jesus took some cord and made a whip. That adds another dynamic to it, don't it? Wow, Indiana Jesus. There's Indiana Jones, my goodness. But Jesus takes care of business. But get this image. He walks down the stairs. This is such a beautiful image. And y'all, this is, oh God, let this speak to our hearts today. Jesus walks down the steps of the temple. Away from that, he's, he's fuming. He's angry. And verse 14 tells us who meets him. As he's going down the steps, it says the blind and the lame came to him. Whew, right here. And he could have said, I'm so frustrated. I'm so mad with this system. I'm so agitated and irritated. I'm fed up. I'm going to the cross. In five days, I've given you all I can give you. I'm going to go somewhere and just rest and get ready. He was stopped because these were the very people that the system that he had just flipped would not allow to come in. And it says that he healed them. So we go back to what we saw of Jesus last week with the woman coming out of the city. He had compassion on her. He saw her. And Jesus saw them. He could have just rolled right through that crowd. These were the last, my goodness, the last physical miracles that Jesus did. Five days before the cross. There are people blind who are trying to make a sacrifice. Who cares about the sacrifice? The King of kings and Lord of lords just gave them their sight. People who had to be carried here. And now they're walking home. I don't know. Man, I don't know about you, but I hear that. I am so convicted this morning. Give us, God, give us righteous anger like Jesus. But when our eyes are open to the people around us who are hurt, God, let us see them as you did. Pastor, I can't, I can't heal anybody. I can't, I can't raise anybody blind. There's a lot of people out there who are spiritually blind, and that's worse than being physically blind. We're surrounded by people who are spiritually blind. People who cannot walk. They can't walk out of a broken marriage and a broken home. They're, they're spiritually lame. 
And because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and I. See, the devil would rather us get angry and stay mad and stirred up and be always frustrated. Because if I can stay frustrated about Washington, I don't see the people that, my goodness gracious, thank you Holy Spirit. I don't see the people that God puts in my way every day. Because then all I see them as is when they're, my goodness, why are they all wearing a mask in here? Why are they all doing that? Hey, how, why am I saying all this? Because <laughs> I thought those things too. What about this? What about, you know? and, and we can live in a perpetual state. My goodness, if, if, if you could check our blood pressure. <laughs> all of us probably have high blood pressure this year, right? But what if we, what if we got Jesus' eyes of compassion, y'all? And yeah, we we get righteously angry and, you know, flip tables, but don't flip people. See people as blind and lame and needy and far away from God. And let us be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? Because there are blind and lame and sick and hurting people that God has in your path that you are to be Jesus to. So don't get so angry and worried and caught up about what happens in a few weeks. And it ain't going to be over on November 3rd. Y'all know that. It's, it's, it, this, this garbage is here to stay. Why? Because we live in a fallen, fallen world. Do we pray? Yes. That's what we're doing as a church. Do we pray in faith? Do we believe? Yes. Do we pray that God will raise up leaders who will, who will lead and judge righteously? Amen. Yes. But the problem of America is not going to be solved by who's in the White House. It's going to be solved by you and I in our shoes doing what God called us to do every day and doing what's on that screen. Seeing them, the blind and the lame and the hurting and the lost. And do what God has called us to do in those situations. When Jesus got angry, he was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. He flipped tables. He didn't flip people. He loved and healed those who were hurting. Jesus got angry in a way that honored God. He was not characterized by his anger, and he was known for his love, not his anger. Everybody take a deep breath. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. Look at this. God, give me the fruit of the Spirit, Jack. I want us to read this together. As we read it, will you just say, God, let, let this be true in me. Somebody say that prayer right now. Lord, let this be true in me. God, allow this to come alive in me, God. Help me to live this out, God. Can we read this together? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Listen to this, okay? Say it with me. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. There it is. The desire to get mad and frustrated with everybody. But here it is. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Whew. And I just got an image in my mind, oh my goodness, of Jesus full of the Holy Spirit in step with the Spirit as He walked 
out of that temple frustrated, irritated, angry. But in step with the Spirit, as the lame and the blind came up, it's like a, it it was a Holy Spirit switch went off in him. Because even though he was 100% God, 100% man, that 100% man side of him would say, can't do this. But the Holy Spirit, God inside of him said, now this is what you came to do. And I'm sure it gave Jesus great pleasure to take all that that he had just seen and put it in the rearview mirror, Ricky. And how did it feel for him to reach out? Y'all, it feels so much better to love on people than hate on people. It feels so much better to give people grace than hate. God convict us. We have the antidote. Man, we're looking for an antidote to this stinking virus. We have an antidote to the most stinking virus there is, sin. God, help us not to get so focused on all this garbage that gets our attention. and Let the enemy win. God, give us victory in the Spirit and let us walk in the Spirit. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Worship team, if you will come. We're going to sing something together this morning that, my goodness, I, boy, I need to sing it today. I'm so convicted. Anybody else? I'm so convicted today. And I realize the only way that I can live this out is through the supernatural. It's got to be supernatural. So as we sing this this morning, I, I want you to just allow this. This is a beautiful prayer that I think is a perfect ending for what we're singing and what we're talking about today. Here we go. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart.
temptation comes my way. And when I cannot stand, I'll call on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll call on you. Jesus, you're my hope and Jesus, I thank you for the way that your presence is moving right now. I, I sense you so strongly. I sense your conviction so strongly, but I, I, I sense your love just as well today, Lord. And God, this morning, we offer up today all those attitudes and emotions that keep us so wrapped up and focused on things that aren't eternal, that keep us from seeing people that you love. God, we confess today that we're annoyed, we're agitated, we're fed up, we're irritated, we're disgusted. We're resentful, we're outraged, sometimes we're furious, livid. God, we may have bitterness in our hearts today. But your word says, <laughs> where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Hallelujah. So Jesus, I pray, Lord, for me today, and I pray for your people today and our church family today, God. God, help us to get angry in a way that honors you. May we not be characterized in our marriages, in our relationships, with our children, with our co-workers, with our neighbors, as people who are angry, with our Facebook friends. Lord. I pray the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and oh God, how we need self-control. Lord, help us to walk in the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. We confess today our sins before you today. God, we are sinful people. We say sinful things. We have sinful attitudes. We think more of ourselves than we do others. I lay that on the altar today before you. And I ask you to forgive me and forgive us, God. 
change our hearts. Lord, I didn't expect this this morning. I didn't expect what we said last week to tie with what we're saying today, but it does. God, rid us of our anger and fill us with compassion. You did it, Jesus. And I ask you to do it in us. The only hope this world has is you. And you have us here, God, to be agents of that hope. So, God, we confess those things to you today. We ask you, Lord, to empower us not to live in the natural, but live in the supernatural. Full of the Spirit, with ears that hear your conviction. God, we confess those things today. And we thank you that your power and your Holy Spirit is strong enough to transform us. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Somebody say praise the Lord. Thank God for grace today. Amen. Don't forget, if you have not uh, grabbed one of those 40 days of prayer cards, uh, you can grab one on your way out. And also stop at the Pregnancy Care Center uh, vehicle out there and check that out. Thank you all for being in church today. God bless you. Have a great week. And we'll see you Wednesday night.